0: is African news tonight on
1: the voice of america
0: hello welcome to voa africa thank you for joining us i'm peter Clotty, and here's what's coming up
2: african government should subsidize inputs, especially fertilizer, because this war will push prices of fertilizer up and farmers will not be able to assess it going forward.
0: That was Dr. Chinasa Ogwenye Ohiri of the Nigerian Institute of International Affairs on the African Development Bank's plan to boost wheat production amid pressure on supply and price from Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And others and more coming up on African News Tonight. A United Nations watchdog panel is warning that South Sudan could plunge into massive violence if elections are held before the government implements constitutional provisions aimed at solidifying the country's shaky peace agreement. The three-member Commission on Human Rights in South Sudan has submitted its latest report to the UN Human Rights Council. Lisa Schlein reports for VOE from Geneva.
3: South Sudan has had a three-year transitional period to implement provisions of the revitalized peace agreement ending the country's civil war, which was to be followed by general elections in 2023. However, Commission members say key areas of the peace agreement remain unimplemented. It says that and continuing violent conflict in parts of the country, as well as widespread systematic human rights violations, preclude the possibility of free and fair elections. The Commission's chair, Yasmin Suka, says the conflict has displaced 4 million people both within the country and as refugees in neighboring countries. She says nearly 9 million people need humanitarian aid. She says the government is riddled with corruption and the country's treasury is being looted by the political elite. She says civil rights are repressed with human rights activists and journalists routinely facing death threats and arbitrary detention. She says conflict related sexual violence against women and girls is widespread and systematic throughout South Sudan in this climate of fear and terror, how can we talk about constitution making, elections, and transitional
4: justice? Are national consultations even possible? The growing political crisis threatens to exacerbate the existing humanitarian and human rights crises, which cause widespread suffering ...and makes the life of many South Sudanese unbearable.
3: Commission member Andrew Clapham says core elements of a constitution are not yet agreed to. He says both constitution-making and elections require considerable legal, institutional security and logistical arrangements. He says all are yet to be established.
5: Beyond these key legal and procedural considerations, it is critical to recognize the risks of further polarization and political violence around these elections particularly when insufficient groundwork has been laid for the process. The consequences of a rushed poll within a contested political system and without requisite security and democratic conditions in place could indeed be disastrous.
3: South Sudan's Minister of Justice and Constitutional Affairs, Ruben Madol Arol, disputes the Commission's claims. He says this government is making progress in the implementation of the provisions in the revitalized agreement. However, he says, lack of outside support is hindering progress in this regard. He says South Sudan needs technical assistance and capacity building to move the process forward. He appeals to the UN Council and Office of the High Commission for Human Rights to provide these tools. Lisa Schlein for VOA News, Geneva.
0: The African Development Bank says it will raise $1 billion to increase wheat production in the continent to cushion the effect of Russia's invasion of Ukraine on the supply and price of the grain. Mike Mbonia reports from Lagos. Akinwumi
6: Additional is the president of the African Development Bank. He says About 40 million farmers will benefit from a new wheat fund for the continent. Additional says the plan is to increase production of wheat, rice, soybeans, and other crops to feed about 200 million Africans. He says wheat imports account for about 90% of the continent's $4 billion trade with Russia and nearly half of the continent's $4.5 billion dollars trade with Ukraine. The U.S. Department of Agriculture says Russia and Ukraine account for 23% of the global wheat market, worth nearly 207 million metric tons in 2021. Dr. Chinasa Uguanyohiri is a Senior Research Fellow with the Division of International Economic Relations at the Nigerian Institute of International Affairs in Lagos.
2: To ensure that the money does not go to the wrong hands or for the wrong purpose, AFDB should collaborate with each country's agricultural banks who will now engage farmers' cooperative societies to ensure that real wheat farmers
6: are mapped out. Ohiri says the money should be disbursed in installments while agricultural development banks in each country monitor its use by farmers, she says African government should subsidize the cost of fertilizer as one way of checking the effects of Russia-Ukraine war on the continent. Russia
2: and Ukraine produce about 30% of world urea and 26% of potash and even phosphate used in producing fertilizer. Therefore, in checking the effect of this war on food production, African government's should subsidize inputs especially fertilizer because this war will push prices of fertilizer up and farmers will not be able to access it going forward also the government should encourage the youths and women to
6: go into food production ohiri also called on african governments to encourage women and youths to go into farming to boost food production on the continent this is mike mbonye for VOA News in Lagos,
0: the commander of U.S. military forces in the Middle East, Frank McKenzie, says the Biden administration plans to approve Egypt's years-old request to buy F-15 fighter jets, despite almost certain congressional opposition due to Cairo's human rights abuses. Reporter Angie Omar discussed with Said Sadek, professor of political sociology at the American University in Cairo, how the Biden administration can justify the move considering its pledge to link its foreign policy to democracy and human rights.
7: American rules of engagement with its allies in the Middle East are quickly changing due to the Ukraine conflict. The Biden administration has been facing many disgusting issues with its allies in the Middle East due to shoulder toward Gulf states leaders and Egypt. For over a year since Biden uh, took the White House, and this is happening also in the middle of news that America is going to give some compromises to expansionists. Iran in the Middle East over its nuclear program. And, of course, this is causing a lot of tension in, uh, uh, in the area and worrying about American engagement. Egypt is strategically important for the U.S. in the East Mediterranean, the Red Sea, Suez Canal, Libya, Gazda file, counterterrorism. So it was important that the Biden administration sends a reassuring message and return to real politics in dealing with its close allies in the Middle East.
8: General McKenzie's remarks suggests the Biden administration is willing to sidestep promises of a human rights-based approach to foreign policy and risk a potential showdown with lawmakers in order to improve Washington ties with Cairo. What is your take on that?
7: As you know, the the Muslim Brotherhood is classified in Egypt as a terror organization, like maybe nine or ten countries are doing the same uh, toward this organization. Previous attempts in several European countries and also the U.S. to designate the Muslim Brotherhood as a terror organization has failed due to the intelligence services links that this organization is having with them in many western countries in monitoring uh, muslim communities in europe and the u.s today the organization has lost much of its influence and power so calls to the, to defend them under the slogan of human rights uh, uh, did not work Again, realpolitik uh, has begun to resurface again in American foreign policy toward the Middle East and Egypt in particular. Uh, many American uh, lawmakers, as we mentioned before, like Ted Cruz, were aware about this standing uh, uh, behind this cloud of uh, human rights violation in Egypt, this smoke screen that is always being uh, raised. In, in addition, Washington is now giving a lot of priority to its relations to its traditional allies rather than alienating them. They are taking into consideration the strengths of the uh, American arms lobby in the Congress that would withstand and oppose any members who would not approve this uh, deal.
8: After the U.S. paused arms sales to Egypt following Sisi seizure, of power in 2013, its government sought to diversify its supply of military hardware, signing deals for French Rafale fighter jets and Russian Sukhoi Su-35s. Some analysts suggest that the U.S. is taking this move with Egypt to counter its strategic rival Russia. Do you agree with such analysis?
7: Yes. uh, Remember, President Biden was a vice president under Obama and he had witnessed that suspending uh, sending arms to Egypt pushed Cairo to seek badly needed weapons and spare parts from Russia, China, and Europe to be able to fight Islamist terrorism in North Sinai in 2013. This is the time when Egypt was classified among the 10 top countries facing terrorist threats, according to Global Terrorism Index. This, of course, led to tension in uh, Egyptian-American relations and was bad for the American arms uh, export uh, industry. That was Saeed Sadek, professor of political sociology at the American University in
0: Cairo, speaking with reporter Angie Omar. Media watchdogs in southern Africa are calling on the government of Angola, Eswatini and Zimbabwe to do more to protect press freedom following the publication of the Freedom in the World 2022 report which says those countries are among the most oppressive authorities to media in the region with concerns about repression as elections loom in Zimbabwe and Angola. Colombo's Mavunga reports from Harare.
9: The Media Institute of Southern Africa said it was concerned that Eswatini and Zimbabwe authorities were strangling The media is published in the recent Freedom in the World 2022 report. Tawani Moyo is the director of Media Institute of Southern Africa.
10: Eswatini is stubborn uh, or notorious of shutting down the internet twice in 2021 alone in response to protests in that country. Uh, Zimbabwe, not free, mainly considering issues around uh, the proposals on regulation of the net. Uh, but also remember that uh, Zimbabwe is in the process of introducing the amendment of the Criminal Law, Codification uh, and Reforms Act, which seeks to criminalize engagement of citizens with the embassies. Uh, Angola is in an election season, Uh, its behavior will be watching closely. But also of interest were countries that were from Southern Africa in terms of status of internet freedom.
9: That was a reference to Angola, Malawi, South Africa, Zambia, and Zimbabwe.
10: Zambia in 2021 August, it shut down the internet during elections. Zimbabwe throttled the internet during uh, this month when the political parties were starting campaigning. Then uh, you have a Bit of progression in, around South Africa, which is uh, still within the free nations, and Angola being one of the countries on the lookout to election season. Beginning of the year, I wrote projections on on state of freedom in Southern Africa, and this report tallies what I projected uh, and actually and, uh, affirming my projections around uh, the trends that we're likely going to see uh, in 2022. Kindness Desparaza,
9: Zimbabwe Deputy Information Minister, dismissed the report saying it is nonsense who has been harassed, detained, jailed or killed in the last 12 months, he asked. Tafadzwa Mugwadi is from Zimbabwe President Emerson Munangawas ruling PF party.
10: Government has
9: done adequate reforms to ensure that our journalists and media houses continue to enjoy the space that so far open in Zimbabwe in, under the Second Republic. It is therefore erroneous, mischievous... And a dangerous lie by freedom I was to allege that there is no freedom of the media in Zimbabwe. When President Munangagwa took over from the late Robert Mugabe in 2017, he promised that citizens would enjoy all freedoms enshrined in the Zimbabwe constitution. But his critics say that promise is still far from being a reality. Columbus mavungam for VOA News, Harare, Zimbabwe.
0: It's Human Rights Day in South Africa, an occasion to commemorate an event that ignited the struggle against racist rule in the country. On this day in 1960, apartheid police opened fire on a crowd protesting against discrimination in the township of Sharpeville, killing 69 people and wounding almost 200. But as
5: Darren Taylor
0: reports... Today's government is also accused of committing gross human rights violations.
5: There have been a lot of serious breaches of human rights under the African National Congress, the ANC, since it came to power in 1994. In 2012, its police shot and killed 34 protesting minors in what's known as the Marikana Massacre, the most potent symbol of the erosion of rights in democratic South Africa. Just as was common during apartheid, police are often accused of torturing suspects in custody. Locals have injured and killed hundreds of migrants from other African countries, accusing them of stealing jobs and committing crimes. People are often murdered because of their sexual orientation. Violence against women and girls is rife. But one of the country's veteran rights activists says other transgressions have cost South Africa the most. Where we are lacking is the delivery of very basic services. Professor Hanif Vali is director of the Foundation for Human Rights. The whole notion of apartheid was your
1: status was determined by your race or, or your origin from Europe. We tried to do away with this by breaking this generational poverty that people have inherited and we haven't been as successful as we could have been. A lot of it has to do with the looting of state coffers.
5: Vali argues that ANC corruption and failed economic policies are largely to blame for South Africa today being the most unequal society in the world, according to the World Bank, with the globe's highest unemployment rate.
1: Why is it that figure I've heard mentioned is 1.5 trillion rand has been stolen through corruption. Why is it that we're not recovering this money? How many people have been, in fact, prosecuted for that? We just had a situation where there were contrived uh, riots. Uh, where are the prosecutions? People are gleeful about what they've done and damaged our country. They have no shame. You cannot have human rights without rule of law.
5: Bali is convinced the most serious human rights abuse committed in democratic South Africa has been the alleged theft by successive ANC administrations, especially that of Jacob Zuma, of billions of dollars of taxpayer funds.
1: It's quite disgraceful, quite shameful. And remember, it's not victimless crimes these. When this money is stolen, it's coming from the the services which should be delivered to the people in this country who suffered the most under apartheid. These people have education, health, housing, They will take themselves out of poverty. How are people able to take themselves out of poverty when these very basic rights that people are entitled to are in fact not being delivered because someone has stolen the money and refuses to return it?
5: Fali says the ANC praises communism, emphasising sharing resources to end poverty. But its policies actually oppose this. They use this neoliberal system, which is there to enrich the very rich. As a result, he says, tens of millions remain poor, with millions more sinking into poverty every year. Under these conditions, says Vali, South Africa will never have a true human rights culture. For VOA News, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg.
0: African immigrants who were studying or working in Ukraine before Russia's invasion have fled to Poland and other neighboring countries seeking safer housing and a new start to life. VOA reporter Merim Gawi spoke to two African medical students from Ukraine. Who are now staying with a family in the city of Sydney in Poland.
4: Immigrants who fled the war in Ukraine and end up in Poland include foreign nationals from African countries. Among them, Angela Alex, a Tanzanian who was a second-year medical student at Kiev Medical University. She met with a Nigerian citizen, a first-year student at Taras Shevchenko National University in Ukraine, on their way to Poland. Their journey was not easy. She recalls how her life was in Ukraine before the war. As she said, it felt like home. Like -hmm. there was no much difference other than the language and other barriers, but it was just normal. Angela said she never imagined that one day her life would change and she would find herself a Ukrainian refugee living in Poland. After Russia invaded Ukraine, she was worried and she realized she had to leave. Um, When I first heard the bombs, it was, I think, I think it was... 4am as everybody says it it was 4am and when you hear the bombs it it's it was hard to believe like oh this is actually happening Mm -hmm. because i thought probably it was fireworks or something like that or as people celebrating but so when we started seeing i mean as the days went by we started seeing smoke in different areas Mm -hmm. transportations were being closed and we're like okay this is serious Goodness, if Fabumoye from Nigeria also decided to leave Kiev as soon as she received reports of an invasion. There were times where we heard this loud sound and everything and the, like, the bed would shake a little, but we just felt, you no, know, it's far, it's far, but like, this day I woke up and I could see smoke from afar. That was when I knew that, OK, this thing is actually coming. And unfortunately, the airports were closed, but at some point I just said I had to go. So I just packed, like, my basic bag and I was like, I have to leave. So that's what I did. The lives of these two girls changed drastically after they found themselves in Poland in the city of Sheditz. They are now staying with Polish. a Polish couple. Goodness relates what she witnessed at the Ukraine-Poland border and how she met their hosts. I think when I got to the border, I, I don't know, I put a call to my embassy, but, but I wasn't able to. I like get, you know, a definite arrangement from them. So there's this man, a volunteer, which introduces us to a, a particular woman. So it's her, that we're able to connect to this um, Good Samaritans. Angela and Goodness, they say they have started new life, but they don't see any immediate hope of returning to Ukraine, even though they're still studying online. They say their future plan is not to return to Africa until they complete their transfer and continue their studies at the college in other European countries. Mary Mgawe, VOA in Poland.
0: And that wraps up this edition of African News Tonight. I'm Peter Klote in Washington. For all latest developments on the continent 24 7, visit our website at VOAnews.com. And thank you again for tuning in and choosing the voice of America.
11: I'm Carol Castiel, host of Press Conference USA, VOA's newsmaker interview program. Join us each Saturday and Sunday when we talk with authors, analysts, and policymakers who provide fresh insight on topics ranging from U.S. politics and foreign policy to science, culture, and global health. You can listen to Press Conference USA on the radio or online at voanews.com PCUSA. While you're visiting our website, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We'd also love to hear from you. Just send an email to pcusa at VOANews.com or connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com/slash Carol Castiel VOA or on Twitter at Carol Castiel VOA. That's Press Conference USA. Every Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America.
0: VOA brings you the best in African music on the African beat. African beat showcases the latest and the greatest of contemporary African music
9: from bubu music to hip life, bonga flavor to sucuse, afrobeat to dumbolo, and makosa to kweito. The African beat on VOA has it all.
0: And it's happening right here, Mondays through Fridays at 0905 and